Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you build a team this 2023 preseason. My name is Damo and joining me as he usually does is Clarky. How are you mate? Yeah, I went dentists and then we record this so it's going to be a good episode. Match simulation week. Love it. So I guess uh, we might won't get any Patrick Cripps rants this week. I stand by my rant. And if you want more information, don't come for me because I don't care. <laughs> our special guest this week is our fearless leader, the sleeves connoisseur, the mustachioed man of mystery, Intellect Dog. How are you, mate? Demo Clarky, I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. I don't know that I'm a man of mystery. I pretty much have my entire world on the internet. So I think I'm. Pr- it's pretty easy to find me and probably steal my identity, let's be honest. You can literally pick you once again as a super coach expert to fill out leagues this year, which you should be doing. Well, I mean, let's not... Hang on. You should be doing if you want to get some wins. If It's not great for my brand if people add me in and absolutely crush me. But uh, no, that was a nice surprise. I didn't see that one happening again after last year's performance. But hey, happy <laughs> to be here. And Lechdog, we've had some push for, subscriber, for subscribers to our YouTube channel. Oh, mate, it has been bloody amazing. I'm just pulling up the uh, the count now. So the Jock Reynolds Supercoach... Uh, YouTube channel just hit 1,010 subscribers at time of recording, and it's all because of the great man, the super coach godfather, Magic Moments on Twitter. Uh, what's his exact Twitter handle? Let's give that exactly right. Magic Moments 000, I believe. Uh, but Abdul, the great man who came top four last year in super coach, he didn't have a trade for the last like four or five or six rounds, Damo. And he's just an amazing uh, an amazing human being. He's jumped out out of the blocks this year with Supercoach content. His in-depth YouTube videos are amazing. He's a funny guy. And out of the generosity of his, his heart, he, he pushed our YouTube channel. He's pushing a few other YouTube channels as well, mate. He's just a legend. So go and follow him at MagicMoments000 on Twitter. Uh, he's bloody great. He's a good man. He wants to grow the Supercoach content. He loves the Supercoach riches and he wants to consume as much as he can. So he wants people to produce as long as they can. Now, there's practice matches that have gone down. There are practice matches going down as we record this. And there are a couple that will bounce down after we've finished recording this. So we will get to some of the things we've noticed from the ones that we have seen so far in a moment. But first, Patch has a question for you, Lek. In fact, he has a couple of questions. Great. This will be good. The first one is, how do you make your moustache so beautiful? Uh, that's a it, uh, God's gift. God gifted me the ability to grow hair on my lip though he took it away from the top of my head. So I think that's the only man we can really thank of this, or, or woman, or deity. And Clarky, he's put this one to us, but I'd like to get Lekdog's um, thoughts on this as well. Uh, if Lekdog was going to be ratatouille would the, the rat be hiding up his nostrils, pulling on the mo, the mo or would it use his head as a kind of dance dance revolution dance pad 
I think we all know that with the uptake of face masks throughout the world, uh, following our previous state of pandemic and now coming into a more normalized civilization, that being ratatouille through the mustache is actually probably more common than we realize. And it affects hundreds of people every day around the world. Just being ratatouille right out there, little... Like, Lek is not wearing a face mask at the moment, so we know that he is currently not being ratatouille. However, if his appearances did start including more face masks in non-face mask appropriate areas, then we can be suspicious. Please donate to all of the ratatouille mustache nose-based causes that are out there. No, no, they're fine. They're still like they just want to be chefs. They want to be like engineers. Like they're they're contributing. Instead, go and donate your money to helpful causes like uh, the rescue efforts in Turkey. Very good. I have a funny mental image of a rodent just sitting on Lekdog's head and like parts of his head lighting up, and the rat hitting the the bits that that light up to get Lekdog to move. But I don't know how he'd hide it unless he wore a hat. And so you hide it. I don't it. Rats are disgusting, but if I had a rat that could dance on my head, I'd own it. As I said, practice matches have gone down. There was Geelong against the Hawks. Um, the thing that stood out on that, in that game, according to everyone on Twitter, I didn't watch the game, but I've seen everyone on Twitter decide that James Sicily is now a must-have if he wasn't before because he will be seeing a lot of, a lot of the ball. Did you guys watch any of that game? What did you guys take out of it? Or what have you guys learned from the notes posted on Twitter through various accounts and reports? Clarky, did you watch this one? I saw briefly um, in between meetings uh, because it happened at the very inappropriate time of 4pm uh, in the afternoon. So I was running in between meetings. But I think looking at the notes to take away from it, I think... Nukem seemed to have a lot of um, the great man Foz himself was uh, posting some CBAs from that game, I believe. Uh, Nukem seems to have a lot of time in that midfield, uh, alongside Warple, I think, being the second most attendant. So for those looking to select them as some pod options in their midfield, probably keep keep watching that space. It's it's hard to tell when the the squads are just so big for these match simulations. Um, and you can kind of tell that some some players are taking it more seriously than others. Yeah, I'm not reading too much into these games, to be honest. They're not real football players. I mean, people say you they're always going to try, but they're not trying as hard as they wanted to. I guess Warple was interesting. He was in there a bit, but it doesn't look like he's fixed up that disposal, which is the thing keeping him from being able to score. Yeah, I don't know. There, there wasn't. I didn't take a whole bunch out of this um out of this game to be honest and what they they played about 700 different quarters or periods yeah we've actually got a question coming up um which we'll talk about in a moment but we'll all, but we'll talk about the gold coast suns game first against the bombers uh, all the talk about from that is charlie constable was taking kickouts and they appear to want the ball in his hands jordan ridley was intercepting and was all over the back half and Will Setterfield was getting lots and lots of centre bounce attendances. If you could see it. I don't know if you guys saw the camera work <laughs> on that, but that game was literally impossible to watch. I turned it off after about six seconds. Yeah, I think I, I felt sick. 
I know it's probably just a poor like intern or young media member who's just been handed the camera and's like, hey, you're streaming this to KO, but gee whiz, can we at least look at the level on the tripod and get it even? Uh, Parish excites me, by the way. Like he he's already in my team. Again, not taking a lot out of this, but attended seventy eight percent a game high in that game of center bounce attendances. I just think he's he can go upward and Setterfield, I think he's gonna look, I could be wrong. He might be the the cheapy mid pricer that goes bang this year. I don't think I'm gonna be wrong because guys like Sheil and Merritt and Parrish and the real stuff are gonna be attending most of those center bounces. I don't know. I think Setterfield's a bit of a trap, but happy to be proven wrong. I feel like I read a stat somewhere that said that Parrish, when he's around that 80% CBA attendance mark, is capable of hitting that one, you know, that 115 to 120 sort of marker in Supercoach, which makes him a really interesting pot option. I had him last year and that injury really hurt. So he's kind of, I'm trying to remove the bias a little bit when I look at him and I go, oh, I did pick you for a reason last year. Damo, did you have anything from those games? I didn't have anything other than what I had read online, so I think we've pretty much covered it. Uh, Lechdog, you were at the Carlton-Collingwood game that went down uh, earlier today. What did you take out of that one? What I took out of that was um, Darcy Cameron is a (laughs) (laughs) poo-poo. Zassi Cameron, uh, Mason Cox on the day was the preferred Ruckman. Uh, the Blues just went with TDK and a little bit of Alex Murkov in the Ruck. Uh, I don't know how much you can take out of it. Everyone, Cripps seemed to try hard. Everyone else seemed to go about 50%. I was pretty happy with Nick Dacos. He kept, continually got the, the cheap pills behind the ball, but also attended 52% of the CBAs, courtesy of Foz Daddy at Matt Forrest 29 uh, Saad was good again. I think he's going to be really good total points option. Sam Doherty, he predominantly played back for a quarter and a bit, went into the midfield, and I thought the Blues looked pretty good there. But I don't know. I think the the really the worrying one, if you if you're going to be worried about something from this game, was Tom Mitchell just struggled to get into it. Normally he dominates the Blues. He didn't really look like he was around the mark, but uh, Sin Cotter looked. Solid. I don't know if his disposal is good enough to get into the AFL team, but he certainly was kept up with the pace and was good defensively, so he's an option to look at. Cowan had some moments, and Hollands, I think, slots into that Nunes slash Setterfield wing role from last year pretty comfortably. So I imagine he plays, and then one of Cowan or Sincotta, Chincotta plays uh, next Oh, round one. So, one to watch, and Cripps got knocked late at the game, but the club has said he rolled his ankle and he's he's fine. So, One thing pointed out on, on Twitter, which I think I can agree with for myself, I don't know about you guys, but um, Jackson Davey from Fantasy Take TV, he mentioned that he's out of practice watching football games and what to look for in terms of fantasy relevance or supercoach relevance, and... I have to admit that I kind of felt like that when I was watching some of these games and I wasn't sure if it was the camera work, the commentary contributing to that. Cause let's be honest, the camera work and the commentary hasn't been great. Um, especially at the Swans Brisbane game where mm. it looked like it was being filmed on an old Nokia or an old iPhone or something. And the commentary, the guy couldn't work out how close he needed to be to his microphone and sometimes sounded like he was trying to eat it. Um, but Sounds like Will Ashcroft 
did pretty well and looks like you should pick him regardless of wherever he he plays. Um, Josh Dunkley had lots of midfield minutes and kicked a couple of goals, so he was getting on the scoreboard. Uh, Chad Warner looked solid. Errol Goulden attended a lots of centre bounces, so at 482k or 462k, whatever he is in the forward line, appears to be a good value option. Um, anything else that comes out of this game, guys, that took, uh, that caught your eye? I think it just probably reiterated that Callum Mills is going to play more defence than midfield at this stage, which isn't necessarily terrible. He could still score pretty well, but I think it limits his ceiling. And, and at his price, you don't want to go with someone who's going to probably lose some cash. And, and I'd say that that might even apply to Sam Doherty now after looking at the role today. But we get another week to look at these guys, don't we? The real stuff with proper camera work and proper commentary goes down next week. I can't wait for uh, Errol Goulden to explode because it's going to really validate me personally um, as having him in my side for most of this preseason has been really nerve wracking. <laughs> so <laughs> to see to see him get seventy percent in a you know a sixty squad is pretty encouraging. That that's he's one of the ones him and you know Warner of like those up and coming swans, um, but not a lot to take out of it. So keep watch for next week. Richmond North Melbourne also went down that game pr- pretty much went down pretty much m- mostly how people thought it would. Taranto did well. Hopper did well. Will Phillips looks like he's going to, he didn't really need to justify his price, but he's justifying his selection. Um, Josh Gota was probably the pick of the halfback flankers. Jack Zabel took some kickouts, but didn't really attack off the halfback line too often. There was a little bit to take out of it. And um, anything else that you guys wanted to add to that one? I didn't watch the game. I've just been watching notes and looking at a few highlights myself. No, look, I didn't watch it. I was at the uh, the Carlton game. The numbers for Taranto and Hopper are promising. 70% CBAs for the both of them. And Zabel played on from five of five kickouts. And there's a great video on Jack Siebel on at abs magic on YouTube. That's the super coach podfather, godfather. That's uh, magic moments on Twitter. He's got about a thousand different names, but he's the great man. Uh, go and watch that video. Cause uh, Jack Siebel is in my team and there was enough there today from the numbers that, yeah, I think he's going to generate some cash. And, the Saints days game is going down as we speak. I watched the first period or the first quarter, whatever you want to call it, before we started recording. Um, Oliver's looking fairly comfortable. I don't think his thumb is causing an issue for him at all. There was rumours that that could potentially hamper him at the beginning of the season. He's barely going in second gear and still dominating, so he looks comfortable. Um, Judd McVee, 123k defence midfielder rookie. He... It was playing in the Salem role, but that Melbourne squad is stacked. Um, Philippou right. was quiet, stuck in the forward 50 in the first quarter, started to move into the midfield in the second quarter from what I saw when I was setting up for this, but still wasn't really having an impact. Gorn and Grundy are still working things out. Gorn and Grundy weren't on the ground at the same time as each other. If one came on, the other came off. So at this stage, it doesn't look like you can pick either of them. Um, Rowan Marshall is the clear number one ruck for St. Kilda though. And there should be no reasons why you don't pick him. 
Yeah, uh, I did. What I also watched part of the second term um, just before recording this. Um, pretty much no no real notes on what you said there, Damo. I think McVie would be great. Uh, I think I said to you just before recording, it would be great if he could slide in there, but I think it's just that back six for Melbourne, it's so tight to really fight for that spot there. So he could even be someone that's designated like a, you know, just on the outer waiting for an injury. Um, but football positives, it's absolutely makes my heart explode to see, huh, we have options to kick to either Max Gorn or Brody Grundy on the field. Uh, there's been a few times and a few clips going around that I've just been looking at while we're on here where they're both sort of out at the same time and just kind of taking some kicks, but it doesn't look like it's really too much of a serious run around for the, everyone. I think we'll get a bit of a clearer picture next week when they play Richmond. Let's get to the questions. The first question isn't credited to anyone because it got asked by lots of people. So if you ask this question, we are now going to answer it. What can we take from the practice matches that are going for six, seven, eight quarters? It all just looks like a free-flowing, bruise-free kind of game. What is the relevance? <laughs> There's not much, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, yeah. It's even hard to tell. You know, the Carlton game is a little bit clearer because they paid four quarters, but with the six-quarter, seven-quarter, eight-quarters, or the the calling, uh, the Gold Coast-Essendon game, which just... They just decide to end it early. Like, there's not heaps we can take out of it. I guess there's a couple of roles have become a little bit clearer. Clearer. I'm just thinking of a Doherty or a Dacos today, uh, a Zebel as well. There's a couple of guys where it's like, okay, it looks like they're going to play that role. It looks like these rookies probably are going to get a crack early in the season. But to be honest with me, with you, at least for these 37 period games, I don't think there's heaps and heaps i guess no injuries is a good thing and and getting some game time into guys that are coming off injuries as well is positive so uh, like a mark pitnett for instance he he's coming off some surgery he played in the reserves today he'll probably play in the seniors next week so if there are guys that are just getting some fitness in the body that's a positive sign i guess yeah, I think that that's pretty much that last bit. My takeaway is it's good just to see them come out, have a run in a situation that isn't like internal club where, look, you know, they're always going to go hard in a practice or an intra-club, but at the same time, it's you don't want to be the guy that came out there and ended Mark and Marcus Bontempelli's season because you were a bit too rough. So I think it's just kind of gives everyone a bit of a chance to have a run around and you can see sort of, all right, well, hey, he's not looking too great or maybe you're not happy with Yo, but I think a lot, it'll give you some questions that you can probably have answered by next week for the official, quote unquote, official matches. Um, we'll know a lot by then because I think even GW, is it GWS and Western Bulldogs aren't having any kind of match simulation because they have some community weekends happening this weekend. So they'll be doing intra clubs. Um, so I think, yeah, there'll be more more answers next week. I think uh, there's actually probably more just r- real, in quotation marks, footy stuff you can take out of these games than than fantasy stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we saw a few a few different roles and stuff, and, and that's a positive. And some players took it seriously. Cripper today took it seriously, sometimes probably to his own detriment. But, you know. That's I right. think he, I think he only has one gear, though. Crips. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, no, he's got two gears, dead or... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that's fifth. it. It's, it's neutral or H. There's yeah. no in between. <laughs> I guess the push for them to be televised was just the fact that people wanted footy. And yeah. we're getting it, and now people are reading <laughs> things, uh, are now reading into it to see the fantasy relevance or the supercoach relevance of them. But in the end, we're really just watching games of footy with people with the teams actually running out and you get to see how these new recruits that these clubs have gone out and 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 recruited during the trade period free agency whatever it was see how they fit in and we still haven't really seen how Grundy's going to fit in with Gorn but we've seen that potentially it could be that neither of them are on the ground at the same time which would be an interesting tactic um I don't know if any of this is going to be relevant though, because next week when the official preseason games get underway, we will probably see 22s as teams are sort of thinking how to prepare for round one. Yeah, I think. And the other thing to remember is that there are plenty of players this week and there'll still be players next week that didn't play. Uh, So factor that into your thinking. An example today, Josh Honey played for the Carlton senior squad. That's probably Jack Martin's spot. Uh, Chincotta and uh, Cowan both played in defence for the Blues, but there was no Mitch McGovern. So, like, for the teams that you follow or the the observations you've made, let us know. But just remember that there were players arrested because, again, these are glorified <laughs> practice runs. But, yeah, just keep that in mind. Do you think they're only televising them because we're getting absolutely smashed by India and the tests at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it just one of those. <laughs> if you I... put the broadcast rights to be, to be boring, just because this is a kind of an area that I've worked in. Yeah. If you've got the broadcast rights, there's no reason not to just stream it. You'll cop it if it's a badly run stream, but it's better than nothing. The worst thing possible, which I've seen in many, many sports is where they've got weird broadcast rights that don't allow them to stream even practice games. So I'm just going to say thank you to whoever at the AFL made sure that these we were able to stream these. Yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from Matt O on Twitter. If Zach Butters plays every game, doesn't get knocked out, injured, etc., what does he realistically average? I remember an episode last season, Clarky, where you said as long as Zach Butters gets his hands on the ball. He usually scores okay, especially if he uses the ball quite well. Um, Correct. His end to the season last year was actually pretty underrated where he, I think he went above a hundred in every single game across the last five rounds or the last six rounds or whatever it was. So he's probably gone under the radar as an option, especially with Rosie on the tip of people's tongues. But um, I think that he could realistically average triple figures, low triple figures, but I, but we still don't know how that Port Adelaide midfield is going to structure up. So the last five rounds of last year, uh, 106, 120, 121, 106, 125. Um, not bad. Not bad scores. Uh, generally what I found from the information that was provided to me at the time, because I was going through a kind of Zach Butters ownership crisis, um, as we could probably call it, uh, as it provided me with the 
stats that showed he either wasn't getting the football or B, was absolutely butchering it, which both of them ended up with him relegated sort of in forward for a while. The difficult thing with Port is that they've got too many midfielders. They've got too many mouths to feed. They've got Horn Francis now. They've got Rosie. They've got, you know, whatever other name you want to put in there. Dan Houston, whatever. I think realistically, if he has the role and he plays well, yeah, he could be a low hundreds guy. Will he do that this year? Like that information was great last year and he backed it up by showing, well, you know, he can go higher and that was good. But will he do it this year? I think is less likely given the pieces that Port moved into their team in the off season. He's uh, an interesting one. The floor on him probably worries me. We saw a few multiple four, five games, 50 to 60 range last year. Really high ceiling, 136, 120, 125. Uh, the the fitness is one thing, is, is the main thing, right? And I think the other thing with the extended season this year, I think we're going to see players who are injury prone at least get more than one buy. And what, what I mean by that is they'll get their regular buy. I think they'll also get rested. I think he's a prime candidate for that. I don't think that's a reason not to pick someone because I think most players, in while the AFL clubs are still working out the extra game and that extra bit of load, I think a lot of players are going to get rested. But I'd say he's probably a, a higher candidate. He could average, as you said. I, he could average, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year he averaged 101. But equally... I wouldn't be surprised if of 22 games, he's only played 18, which is great depending on when you grab him and when those missed games are. Yeah, I think my realistic projection would probably be at 85, maybe. Like Ooh. that, And that's generous. I think that's generous. So you 85. think? So you think the additions to Port Adelaide actually makes him regress a little bit? Yeah, most likely. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Damo, for putting in my bad words into good words. <laughs> okay. Um, so you think the addition of Junior Rioli, Jason Horn, Francis, uh, Francis Evans, um, all of those players means that when he's not in the midfield, he's basically fighting for scraps in the forward line. I just, I, I just don't know where he's going to get the bulk of that from or if he's going to get the bulk of that from when he seems to be punished whenever he does poorly. You know what I mean? Like, there's okay. all the incentive in the world and he has all the talent, but, I mean, realistically, do you see him doing that? He has a light sprain to his AC joint at the moment. Also he's that. He's be fine, apparently. He's already, but... he's already injured. I just think he can spend the money better. Sorry, I know that you want to move on. We can you can spend the money better if you're looking for a point of difference from Butters. So that would be my final say on that. We'll move on to the next question. The Ranger in the website comments wants to know if Tom Stewart and a forward rookie is better than Yo and Zebel. Depends on what you want. D- depends which forward rookie. Yeah, like like if we're talking Tom Stewart and Toby McLean then you, you'd probably go Tom Stewart and Toby McLean. If we're talking Tom Stewart and Charlie Combin, then you'd probably say Yo and Zebel is better. Agreed. I agree with that second piece. Uh, let's assume it's a base price rookie. There's, there's risk 
in picking any players, but there's more upside in the Z in terms of cash generation and on-field points early, which is where, if you're going for ranking, that's where you need to capitalize. Having a Yo and a Zeeble on-field early, generating 50 to 150K in cash, as well as providing you, let's say, what, I don't know, 170 points between them each week. Let's say that that's the number, eighty. what's that, 85 each? Or having 100 and, I don't know, how much is Stuart going to average? Let's say it's 100 and, and a forward rookie is going to give you 50, 150. I'd rather the 165 points and the ability to downgrade from those two guys to a rookie if I need to. Uh, they're called stepping stones, and I think they're going to be very good stepping stones this year. Also, I'm slightly biased because I don't think Tom Stewart is someone I want to start. I think he's someone I want to pick up because he has a little bit of a slight tendency to miss a game or two here or there. And Geelong also only play, play two of the, their first 10 games at GMHBA Stadium, and Tom Stewart doesn't average all that well away from the Geelong Cats' home ground, meaning there is every chance that you can pick him up cheaper towards their buy round. Agreed. Also, Yoke could be like an M5 if everything goes his way by the end of the year. Like that level of scoring. That's all the questions for today. We are going to update you all on the next one with the results of the other practice matches of today. And we'll talk about the practice matches or the official preseason matches, I should say, in next week's episode. Thanks for joining us, Dog. My pleasure. And Clarky, thank you. Always a pleasure. If you're listening to this and you still haven't signed up for Supercoach, you're not too late. Now is a perfect time with preseason games underway. And huge news, the winner of this year's Jock Reynolds Group will take home a custom championship ring courtesy of Supercoach champion, at SC rings underscore on Twitter. Join using the code 9903600. And to pick up a ring for your league, head to supercoachchampion.com. Use hashtag jock mailbag to get your question answered in the next episode. And we'll talk next time.